This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, the only show about the customer experience that filmed the first episode of the second season from Content Marketing World in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, and yes, you did hear that right. We are in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, why are we in Cleveland, Ohio, you ask? Well, that's easy. To talk to the biggest influencers, thought leaders, experts, authorities, and geniuses in the world. Which world? Well, that's even easier. Content Marketing World. Welcome to Season 2. Now, we're in Cleveland, Ohio at Content Marketing World 2021, and that means that we're in the same place as a ton of the best and brightest minds in the marketing universe. So we got to thinking, with all of these thought leaders in one place, the same place as us, why not investigate the topic of thought leadership? What is thought leadership? How important is it? Can small businesses or even individuals be thought leaders? How do you get thought leadership? Is it even real? Who's doing it well? And what are the things that you need to do to get it? Now, to answer these questions, you're going to hear from the experts. Which experts? Roll the tape. And I'm joined now by Michael Barber, who's a brand consultant and marketing strategist. Um, Michael is here at Content Marketing World presenting and was generous enough to uh, sit down with us for a few minutes. Michael, welcome to Growth Decoded. Thanks so much. I appreciate being here. And now I'm joined by Melanie Diesel, who is a keynote speaker, author, award-winning marketer, and the chief content officer at StoryFuel. Melanie, welcome to Growth Decoded. Thanks for having me. It's good to hang out. Yes, and now I am joined by Zanti Ho, who is a founder, uh, marketing, and communications advisor, and the current director of strategy at Convince and Convert. All right, we are joined now by Ellen <laughs> Hanley, best-selling author, keynote speaker, chief content officer, email marketing extraordinaire, and welcome to Growth Decoded. Thank you so much. Joe Polizzi, who is a best-selling author, he is a founder, he's a podcast host, amongst many other things, and he is uh, kind enough and generous enough for this time to stop by the Growth Decoded set today. Joe, welcome to Growth Decoded. Thanks, Ernie. I appreciate being here. The Digital Engagement Supervisor at American Fidelity Assurance Company, Rachel Mann. Hi. B2B marketing strategist, international speaker, author, CEO of Top Rank Marketing, Lee Oden. Lee, welcome to Growth Decoded. Hey, it's great to be here. John Jantz, who is the author of Duct Tape Marketing. Hi, he's a speaker the founder, and uh, we're very glad to have you with us here. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for having me. I've, you know, I've been a long-time active campaign user and, and fan of, of the way you guys uh, have grown from the early days to the uh, where momentum you've got now. It's pretty awesome to see. That is great to hear. Awesome. Keynote speaker, best-selling author, founder of Convincing Convert, Mr. Jay Bear. Jay, thank you for being here. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Cheers, Ernie. Thank you very much. Great to be here at the Content Marketing World event. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I will take this opportunity. Happy Happy birthday to Thank you, sir. Thank you. It does happen to be my birthday. Innovation and marketing strategist, best-selling author, keynote speaker, Carla Johnson. Carla Johnson, welcome to Growth Decoded. Thanks, Ernie. Great to be here. Yes, thank Great you to be much. anywhere outside my little office walls. Yeah, that is the truth. <laughs> okay, now that we've met our guests, the first order of business is, what is thought leadership? How do you define it? 
I would look at it as, uh, first of all, I think it is something that should be bestowed upon you, not claimed on your own, uh, but thought leadership is disproportionate uh, knowledge and expertise in a category of information that people care about. Man, how do I think about thought leadership? Um, you know, to me, thought leadership really means just carving out your own space, um, figuring out what is your position on things, what do you stand for, who do you serve, what are you all about, and how do you help those people? That's really where I think the, that's the peat moss, if you will, of thought leadership. Yeah. Well, I think when people start talking about thought leadership, they're like, oh, well, we need to be the leading expert in our niche. And that's not the wrong place to start, but I really think what you want to focus on is who is the audience we're trying to target? What are their pain points? What keeps them up at night? And if we can figure out a way to deliver value to that audience over a long period of time consistently, then we can elevate status to become a thought leader, whatever that might be. So I think that you can't just set out and say, oh, yeah, we want to be a thought leader. I think that you have to give, and you have to give over a long period of time. And what do we give? We, we give amazing content experiences. And if we do this successfully throughout, uh, way surpassing whatever you think a campaign might be. So this is for... 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, maybe the audience will let us in. Right. Maybe then we have the opportunity to see some behavior changes and that's when really thought leadership comes in. It's interesting because, especially at a conference like this, you hear this term a lot, thought leadership, who's a thought leader, and hopefully all the speakers are on some level. Um, I think that it's tough, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, it's hard to be a thought leader in an area, especially where um, you know, we learn from each other, and so a lot of things are regurgitated. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely having a different angle on something. Uh, it may not be the new fancy thing that nobody's doing, but just having your own unique perspective on it. It's definitely difficult to have that thought leadership. So people who have that, um, it's good to find. So for me, I think thought leadership comes down to one word, and that's expertise. Mm. I think the challenge for brands right now is that you just have a tremendous amount of noise that's occurring. And uh, because thought leadership has become this buzzy word um, that everyone needs to do because all the experts like ourselves tell them to do that, uh, that they've created just a ton of noise. But the challenge I think is right now is what we need expertise to be able to cut through that noise. And for me, that's what thought leadership it is, defining your expertise in a certain area. You know, it's an interesting term and label because I think over the last year, it's probably changed yeah. in, a, in a way because I think stereotypically thought leadership was somebody, was a brand, a person who put out a lot of um, content mm -hmm. on a particular topic and over that time just by sheer accumulation they were perceived as a thought leader but I think especially in this last year with all the change that we've had with the pandemic with different social issues I think that definition is changing a little bit more and it's not just about putting out content and maybe being ahead of where your industry is and, and talk about where it's going I think it's also more about taking a real stand for something that you believe in. And I think um, purpose comes into the, the arena of thought leadership more. And in, in that way, what do you stand for now? How do you advance that cause? I, I like that it's sort of emerging that like thought leadership is kind of this catch-all term. It's like yeah. this nebulous term that means, you know, do you know your customer? Are you moving the conversation forward? Are you solving the problems? Are you doing it consistently? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, it, 
We are, we are truly investigating thought leadership. It's great. Well, and, and, you know, we, we probably spend too much time thinking about thought and that, like that's a modality, right? right? But it's really the leadership aspect, right. <laughs> frankly. It's just great leadership that happens to actually, in some, some people's minds, grow because of the platform uh, that, that you are expressing your leadership thoughts on. And yeah. I think that that's where people uh, get caught up. It's like, oh, thought leadership is a new, you know, groovy term that's just come along from the, you know, because of the days of the internet, right. you know, but it's really just good leadership is what it is. I think you've got to break it down, you know, thought and leadership, uh, original, innovative thought, and of course leadership, you know, people are looking for direction. They're looking for inspiration and certainty, and especially in times like these, and demonstrating leadership in terms of, you know, the authority on a topic, a specific topic, and the validation by third parties that you are the most credible or what I like to call the best answer uh, for a particular topic. I think that a lot of businesses, organizations think of thought leadership as a thing that they have to produce, right? Mm. If you are a thought leader, you are out there not only sharing the critical points of view and synthesis of information that help to drive the industry forward, but you're also taking in the information that's necessary to have those points of view, uh, right? Yeah. So thought leadership isn't a product that you produce. It should be a mindset for your leaders within your organization to go out into the world with. But when it comes to producing quote unquote thought leadership pieces, again, you have to ask yourself, what's the actual point of all of this, right? Mm -hmm. Do we need to be on the bleeding edge of our industry in order for our customers to trust us? For a lot of customers in a lot of industries, that's actually not what they really want. Right. What they really want is to know that we have the right guidance with people who have relevant experience and that are really thoughtful about breaking down the steps that we need to take in order to get where we're going. Okay, it seems like thought leadership is this very desirable thing. Brands want it, or they want to create content that makes them a thought leader, but what does that actually mean? And how important is thought leadership really? I think, I mean, it can be important. It can be very important if that's for your strategy. I think that's one of the things, especially as marketers, we do so often is just because people are doing something, we think we've got to do that, that, you know, TikTok is important or Clubhouse is important. Um, but it really comes down to what's important for your strategy. And so if it's going to benefit your brand to be a thought leader, to be seen as an expert on a particular topic, then I think it can be absolutely a central part of your strategy. Um, but there are certainly some brands, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to call anyone out, but like, what brand of paper towels do you use? Like, do they need to be a thought leader in absorbency? Like, probably not. Like, that's right. probably not a key part of their strategy. Um, but yeah, if you are, especially if you're in an info space, if you're sharing knowledge and that's really what your brand is or what your value is, I think there's a lot of value in people understanding that expertise. Well, I think there are, there, you know, to be designated as such, I mean, there are some benefits to that, I suppose, for somebody. But I, I really think the biggest thing is it's really a byproduct of right. what it is that you're doing, you know, what it is your mission is or your goal is or, you know, why you're even, you know, doing what you're doing or what you're passionate about. I think that that title, if you will, is, is something that is really just a byproduct of that. It's like a viral video. Anybody who tells you I'm going to create a viral video, you know, is right. probably going to be right one out of a hundred times. You know, it, it, yeah. it happens by 
producing something that was relevant, that was, you know, right on point, that was funny, that was unexpected. And then the byproduct of that is that it, it goes viral. But it, again, going back to point of view, you know, generally speaking, it, it's it's a consistent point of view about something that that makes a video go viral even. Um, probably less so than people think um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, to me, thought leadership is really how well can you answer questions that, that, that people have? Can you be the best answerer uh, of that particular query? Um, and, and if you want to position that as leadership, because you can either answer it more authoritatively uh, or more interestingly, or you can answer a question that maybe nobody has thought of yet, then sure, put that out there. But, but I think generally speaking, if you tie thought leadership as a quote-unquote term of art back to things that really matter, like revenue and sales and profits, I think it's probably overrated in many cases. Well, right now, if you look at audience building leading to some kind of thought leadership, there's an audience land grab going on. I mean, there, if you look at the organic content marketing programs that are happening, and then you look at the acquisitions that are happening in the content marketing space, I've never seen anything like it. And a lot of it has to do with there's, you know, frankly, for many reasons, there's a lot of funny money going on in a lot of corporations. So you have, you actually for the first time can answer the question, uh, or you have the question is, should we build or should we buy this content experience, this audience base? And it's something valid because you might not want to say, well, we want to, we need to take two or three years to build this audience to become this thought leader. Or you could say, well, this thing, that content brand already exists out there. Maybe we should take some of our funds and purchase this so that we can build on that instant relationship status that that other content brand had. So that's sort of what we're seeing. Now, long, it's going to take you, take you time either way, but I'm excited about the fact that this is the first time you're seeing chief financial officers get involved in this conversation and saying, okay, maybe we should buy that media site, that blogger, that podcaster, that newsletter writer, that TikTok specialist, that Twitch streamer. Those conversations weren't happening two years ago like they are now. And so for the next 18 months, it's kind of, um, you know, we used to look at the, the gold rush. Now we've got this audience land rush that is really a thing. And the opportunity is now. And so if you're any content marketer out there, any marketer in the space, you should have your list of who are those companies, those content entrepreneurs, those content creators that we should purchase because if you don't, your competitors probably will. All right, so thought leadership is definitely beneficial to brands, but how do you get it or obtain it or achieve it or become it? Help? Well, I, th I think an important part of thought leadership is understanding it shouldn't just be a marketing approach, mm. marketing strategy. A true brand who's a thought leader really looks at the, the, how it's infused in how they do everything about them as a business. So if you're, if you're a company that wants to be a thought leader and you're putting your perspectives out there and this is what we believe and how the industry is moving, then if you're a true thought leader, that's how you behave all across the organization. And I think because we've peeled back any kind of curtain and layers that previously hid how companies performed and, and thought, and I think clear down to that employee level, it's more important now and more obvious now that true thought leadership really infuses into everything that every employee does because it really only takes an employee or two who can really blow up that perception of whether or not a thought leader is, is just a, a marketing approach or whether it's something you truly live as a company. 
Well, it, it is really closely tied to that idea of having innovative thought, original thought, original ideas about something. Um, you're solving problems in the industry in ways that others are not. Um, you're creating value. Um, you're creating impact. And you're creating experiences uh, through execution of those sorts of ideas that other people are a part of. And, you know, there's an expression I like to use, um, if, if they care, they'll share. And when you create great experiences for people, not just informing them, but helping them feel, you know, the impact of a thing, they're going to talk about you. And, you know, today we're all empowered with mobile devices and all different ways of connecting right. digitally um, and creating content that, you know, um, you can have a digital-only experience and people can, you know, edify you, talk highly about you, and it's very easy for them to propagate that message. Um, but an in-person experience like this one, right. you know, uh, creates even more opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think if you're empathetic with what problems are that exist in the industry or in the community in which you want to be influential or be seen as a thought leader, um, you can go ahead and, you know, target those sorts of things, right? What do you want to be known for? Right. And people will talk about it. I think it's being, you know, being a thought leader is always a byproduct of something else. Like I think of myself as a curious person and I always want to be growing and evolving. I gave a talk here at Content Marketing World. It's my 11th year here. Now I wouldn't be here for 11 years if I showed up every year and I gave the same talk. Like what would be the point of that? Right. <laughs> and so I think, you know, it's, it's, you're always growing and changing and evolving. Like we, we said, we started this conversation, you know, saying. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, that's in part why, because you want to always be thinking about what is that next thing. You're curious about something. You have this sort of innate, this innate curiosity, this, this feeling that you always want to be growing and advancing. And so that's, I guess, that is part of being a thought leader as well. Yeah, I think, as I mentioned earlier, to me, and I never have ever called myself a thought leader and never will, uh, because I really, really believe that that's not a term that you decide. That's a term that other people decide for you. Right. So if you want to be a thought leader as an individual or as a brand or as an organization, the people who are trying to find and consume information are those who, who get to bestow that crown upon you. I don't think it's something that you claim. I think it's something that's given to you. So to sort of become a thought leader, I think takes um, some sort of actual, you gotta have the goods, right? So you actually have to be uh, an expert or an authority. Um, but I think it also also takes some measure of consistency and time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to me, it, it's pretty rare for somebody to become a quote unquote thought leader or a brand to become a thought leader um, in, in a month or a quarter or, or even a year. I think you have to develop that expertise and then continue to prove that expertise week after week, month after month, year after year. I mean, I, I, I wrote, this is not an exaggeration, Ernie, I wrote five blog posts a week, every week, for three years. So that's however many blog posts that is. It's 250 a year times 750 blog posts, probably, before anybody ever used the word thought leader in conjunction with my name. Mm. Um, and I think that's what it takes. I mean, you got to stay at it a little bit. It's so funny because I actually think that's part of the reason why that question that you asked me about name a brand that's a thought leader kind of tripped me up a little bit because I was thinking, you know, wait a second, I, I don't know. Like I've never thought of them as thought leaders, but right. are they go-to resources for me in this industry? Sure. You know, so wait a second, I guess that is a thought leader. Wait a minute. <laughs> it all's coming around. Um, so no, I don't, I'm not sure that there is a line. 
in some ways because you you never call yourself a thought leader, right? Right, right? Like the minute that you see, you know, thought leader appear on my LinkedIn profile, you should just like send somebody to my house and just smother me with a pillow because, you know, no one, you shouldn't do that. Like no right. one, that's a no. So where is that line? I mean, I don't know. I think as when maybe other people refer to you as thought leaders, like being a good thought leader is kind of like being, you know, being a good parent or like being a best friend. Like you'd never call yourself, like I'm the best friend in the world. I mean, maybe you would if you really thought highly of your friendship skills. But for most people, you know, they let other people do that. They let, you know, other people call them a good parent or a good son or good daughter, whatever the case may be. And I think it's more powerful when it doesn't come from you. And so I think thought leadership is, is or a being a thought leader, being designated a thought leader is very much like that as well. So it's sort of just a, a byproduct maybe of, of following all the rules. Yeah, I mean, when you go in and if you look at somebody's content marketing strategy and they say, we want to be a thought leader, I don't know what they mean by that. Right. So what we try to reposition and say, okay, well, you want to build, build an audience is what you're trying to do. You want to build an audience uh, through valuable, relevant, re uh, remarkable content experiences. You want them to opt in to whatever the communication is that you're offering. And if you do that over a long period of time, they come to know, like, and trust you, then you can pretty much sell whatever you want. But it's, that process is much longer. So, you know, you get, that's why I don't like the confusion over thought leadership, and I like to focus it on, okay, really what you're trying to do is build an opt-in audience, which hopefully will lead to community, which hopefully will lead to you seeing behavior changes. So I think one thing that's important is to separate consistency from frequency. Mm. Um, if you're feeling the pressure to be posting every single day or three times a week, and that's not doable for you, you can still be consistent twice a month. Right. You can still be consistent once a month, right? Do something big once a month, and that's going to be more valuable. Um, and the best example I give of this is what TV show have you ever watched that releases episodes inconsistently? Right? If you're watching on live TV, they come out every week on the same day at the same time, and that's how you build an audience and you build a following. Imagine if Game of Thrones, like imagine if over the last 10 years or however long they've been running, they just put episodes out without warning on random days of the week at random times. Like, nobody would watch it. You wouldn't be able to follow along. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't build an audience around something because it's just happening haphazardly. Right. So, again, coming back to Game of Thrones, they didn't come out every day. Sometimes they made us wait a year and a half or two years between seasons, right? But they did it consistently, and they brought out that season, and it rolled out week over week. And so give yourself that permission. You know, you don't have to do Game of Thrones-level production, but that it's okay if you're managing those expectations of, we do one really awesome video or one really big blog post every single month that has everything you need. That is so much better than like 40 crappy blog posts that no one's going to read. Know your audience, know where for they sure. are, know where they're looking for, for yeah. content. And who they're listening to, right? I mean, we of course have this just buzzy word right now around influencer marketing, yeah. both on the B2B and B2C side. But I, I mean, I, I don't think I can drive this point home enough to say that with the amount of messages that we receive, the amount of emails, the amount of advertising, the noise we, we feel from social media, the pressures of our day-to-day -day lives, you know, your spouses, your husbands, your partners, your kids, your dogs, your significant others, your family, right? Um, we more than ever as a species lean on 
people that help elevate our, our concept of ourselves, and those are influencers, right? So building really great partnerships with influencers can be an incredible distribution opportunity for any brand because it allows potentially those organizations that partner with those influencers to get in front of people who would otherwise not be looking for their messages, their marketing. Especially in a sea of information overload and just so much content and competition yeah. for attention, being that beacon of certainty and consistency, um, the continuity of putting out, you know, really good information, um, and you know, being validated for that by others, uh, absolutely will help you stand out. I may be in the minority there, but every time I see somebody actually write thought leader in their own bio, yeah. I throw up my mouth a little bit. Y yikes. Okay, so it seems like there's some trends emerging here. Thought leadership is expertise in a particular subject area, uh, a niche, a niche, a niche, eh, potato, potato, in a specific area. It's expertise that's achieved through consistency, but how do you know it when you see it? How do you achieve expertise? Do you have to say something new, something distinct? Do you have to have some unique point of view? It seems like that would help, but what does that actually mean? And is it necessary? Yeah, I, you, thought leadership is a mindset. I, I love that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, in terms of like the, the importance um, or like the validation of the thought leadership aspect of it, like you just mentioned, you know, a lot of people don't even think that it's that important. Is it sort of like a, I don't wanna say like an inflated idea, but is it something that is, you know, is it necessary? Is it? Great question. I think you're exactly right that in some ways it is an inflated idea. It's become a little bit of a buzzword. I think that we've gotten into this trap where especially, I, I work with a lot of B2B clients where thought leadership is this thing that we have to have because other people have it mm. and our, our leaders within our organization believe that we should be sharing this thought leadership. But again, depending on the industry that you're in, your customer doesn't necessarily need you to be the perspective on what's happening with their industry. For instance, I was just speaking to a health tech client where they were like, we want to be telling people what does it mean in terms of what's happening in the news right now. So obviously in health, you know, coronavirus stuff, they're like, we want to have a point of view on that. And I'm like, but is that actually what your customer is coming to you for? Right. And for their particular customer, the issues that were really on their mind were more on the um, business side of things. So how do we grow our business as a, as a health business, right? And so I said, the truth is when you look at what the data is telling us, where we should be producing resources is really on solving those issues. So you can be a thought leader in that space, but that's a, a difference between what the the C-suite of their organization believes is important versus what their customers actually want. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very interesting point, right? Uh, and it kind of comes back to this idea that we've heard a few times, the unique point of view or this, you know, distinctive aspect of it that yeah. we need to have this if we're gonna be considered thought leaders. What is your, uh, do people need to have a unique point of view? How, how important is that? And like, how do you look at what that actually means? Sure. I think that when we, when we say distinct point of view, often people think we have to have a pointed point of view. We have to be in there being like, yes, we believe in these things. No, we never do those other things. Again, in some cases, maybe that's helpful. Certainly, you know, if you're in a consultancy like the business that we're in, we do need to have a strong point of view because we are telling you that you are going to come to us for advice. So right. we need to be able to distinctly define our point of view 
around different issues and make that clear to you. But again, if you're not in that kind of business line, point of view is less important to me than, than again, what is your credibility and what is your authority? Mm -hmm. How do you show people that you are trustworthy in your space as somebody who can speak about this issue credibly? and demonstrate that. So again, if you're in a, um, an organization where you are more B2B in, I have a lot of clients in uh, technology, in financial services, in regulated industries, healthcare, higher education, these are places where a lot of people think, yes, we have to be out in front with our CEO, our CMO, our CFO, telling people what matters. M my question is, can those people actually break down important things for the audience in a way that allows the audience to take action. Mm -hmm. Because if they can do that in a really credible way and be a really great teacher, explainer, synthesizer, that can be the quote unquote point of view that they're actually coming to the table with and that can be really valuable. I mean, I think in, in some spaces where there's a lot of need for thought leadership or it's really, you know, there's a plethora of thought leaders on some topics, right? Maybe being differentiated isn't as important because there's room for many voices. Um, but particularly if you're in a, in a niche space and you're focused on, a, on a, a subset of that topic, I think having that differentiator is key. You know, you look at even an event like content marketing world where we are, we all speak about content marketing, but there's three days of sessions. They can't all say the same thing, right? So you've right. got some folks who are talking about email marketing and that's how they're setting themselves apart. So I think especially if that subspace, sub if that subtopic is what's really important, then that differentiator is, is really key. Um, I do think that some people struggle to figure out what their differentiator is. Um, it's, it can be tough if people ask you the same kind of questions or if broadly as an industry we're having the same conversations to figure out, well, what's my unique approach to it? Uh, and my, my advice is always to look to your background and your experience. So for me, I study journalism, and so my approach to content is really through the lens of journalism. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't study marketing, I didn't study advertising, so I'm really coming at it from like a pure storytelling point of view. Um, and that allows me to, to talk about the same topics, but in a different way. So looking to your background, your history, your experience is usually a, a really great way to figure out what, what you can bring to the table that's a little different. What would be a good analogy to describe this? I think you have to have, uh, you've got to have sort of the standard stuff, right? Whatever the product or service is, you've got to be know what the best practices for are, the seven things, the 10 things, how to do this, that, and the other, right? The, the sort of tactical content, if you will, the how-to content. That stuff you've got to have that's available to you because without it, when someone goes to search and understand, like, do they know what they, they're, they are doing, it's not there. But then I think you do have to bring a unique, maybe value proposition, maybe it's tone and voice and it's around brand itself, but there has to be something unique about uh, that thought leadership. Now, that uniqueness doesn't necessarily have to be I don't think the content itself, okay. it can be how you bring it to life. Maybe someone hasn't brought it to life in some you know, digital experience before. It could be the same you know, top five recommendations to get better email opens or distribute content or build your brand. And the way that you've brought your uniqueness is how you've packaged it. You've packaged that experience around the content itself. Um, <clears throat> it could also be, um, hey, where do we distribute this? Maybe there's channels that your competitors or people that haven't distributed into. Maybe there's a big hole in Reddit or Quora or TikTok or wherever that your competitor hasn't filled that void where you could put in just the standard carte blanche content that everybody else is doing, but because you're first there, you're at least 
offering your voice in that space where no one is, um, you could uh, you could do that in that space. There's got to be necessarily. I think you've got to do both. I think you've got to do the tried and true, and then bring something unique to it. It may be original thought leadership and expertise. It may be the way you're presenting it. It may be the way you're distributing it. Um, but thinking about all those different components, I think, is important. No, and I think it's rarely true from that perspective, right? Like I did a whole uh, presentation at. Boy, this is going to take me on the Wayback Machine. Blog World. 2012, I think, or 2013, with uh, Joe Polizzi, the founder of the Content Marketing Institute um, in Content Marketing World. He and I did a session together, uh, and that whole session was about your secret sauce isn't actually secret. Mm -hmm. And it was this whole idea, even back then, that, that if you think you're a thought leader, it probably just means you haven't Googled hard enough. You know, the chances are somebody else has already answered this question and probably done it pretty well. Um, and, and true sort of we own this category, we own this topic, we own this sort of informational baby doesn't happen very often, especially now in this um, information-rich, sort of content creation-focused world, it, it's kind of hard to truly like have a thing that nobody else has. And if you do have it, your competitors or others in the category will probably mimic it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, as we uh, as we are here together, it's late September. Um, how many marketing 2022 trend reports will be written in the next six weeks? Ten thousand, a hundred, like uh, you know, infinity. How many of those are thought leadership? I don't know. I would say maybe zero. Whether you call it a unique point of view or what we call it is, we call it a content tilt. Um, so, if in your if you're starting the content marketing strategy, you might say, oh, okay, well, here's what we know is our uh, our expertise, our skill area. Here's our audience, and here's their desire, their problems, and you match that up, and you say, okay, great, we're going to talk about mechanical engineering to this audience. And you might say, that's enough. So let's go start the blog or the podcast or the e-newsletter series or the YouTube channel or whatever. The problem is that's not enough. You have to take it the next step. And we call this, to your point, maybe it's a new point of view, but it's a content tilt. And you have to find an area of differentiation where you can break through all the content clutter. That could mean it's a different point of view. That could mean you're focusing on an audience that hasn't been focused on before. It could mean that you're talking about um, the conversation in a different way that nobody else is talking about. It could be that nobody else is having this conversation on Twitch. So you're going there. So there's a lot of different ways to differentiate. Point of view is one of them, but it has to be something. So everyone says, oh, there's just so much content clutter. How do we break through? Well, there's there's been so much content clutter since the dawn of the printing press. Right. So what do we do to break through? And great media companies and great content marketers have always said, oh, we're to this audience, we're gonna talk about this in a different way. And this is our content mission. And if you do that well consistently over a long period of time, you will break through. But you have to look at it a little bit differently. And most content marketers don't take the extra step because they feel they have to go broad to get the largest possible audience, but actually you want the opposite. You want to target the smallest possible audience with a content mission, again, back to your thought leadership, where you can be the leading informational expert in your niche. Mm -hmm. And then if you do that consistently, then you can have all your wildest dreams come true. So but you want to go really niche to start with, and then you can always go broader. And that's what every great media company has always done. We just don't know it because when we look at a successful media company, we see how broad they are. They didn't start that way. They started this way. Right. But we forget that. Okay, so the unique point of view or differentiator is an indicator that you are a thought leader, that you're saying things that 
others aren't, and that you're leading the conversation somewhere new or in a new way that it hasn't gone before. I mean, after all, leadership is right there in the phrase, thought leadership. But how do you get to the unique point of view? There's the, there's the phrase about show, don't tell. Yes. I think it's also about know, don't tell. Like, know your customer, don't just tell them what to do. And I think that's an important distinction. And, and unless you build that relationship, you're always going to be at a little bit behind what you could be mm. unless you drew on what, you, what your customers know and think and, and experience in their own world. Well, I think sometimes it comes, you know, like we all think about this spark of light, you know, that I think, oh, my God, I have an idea, you know. But I think it's really more of going out and experiencing things, trying things, failing, <laughs> getting up, saying this worked, that didn't work. I remember the first time, I mean, my, my big, if I was going to have a point of view to duct tape marketing, it is that marketing is a system. Um, and I remember the first time saying that just almost casually because I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense to me. And having, like, people in the audience go, oh, my God, that's brilliant. You know, I thought okay, I'm going to say that again and again and again. And I think that it, it, it made me realize that, that even though I wasn't looking for some innovation or some like polarizing point of view, I stumbled onto one, um, but, but I cemented why that was going to be my point of view by basically seeing how people responded to it, that that was missing. That was yeah. a gap in how they thought about marketing at the, at the time. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will tell you that, that you know, things like that are happy accidents, frankly. Mm. It's interesting that you say that, like you said it and then you saw the participation aspect yeah. of it. You see the response. Yeah. So is thought leadership, is it a conversation? Well, I think very much so. Um, I, I think that's probably the genesis of it. You know, I think thought leadership starts probably with one person talking to another person. You know, I, it might even be uh, somebody trying to sell something, you know, uh, which is essentially what I was doing, frankly, when I was talking to groups. You know, I'm trying to sell them on what it is that I'm doing. Um, and, and you start realizing that, you know, the deeper you go into one conversation and, and you start hearing it over again, you start repeating it over and over again, you start seeing it resonate over and over again, I think then it starts to become something that you can take one to many. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think that's probably how it starts. I don't think anybody you know, walk, wakes up and, and walks out on a stage somewhere where there are thousands of, of people standing and saying, you know, this is an idea that I have. And, you know, it's like, oh, you're a thought leader. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like everything. It's, you plant a seed and, and that seed grows and you stick with it. I think, I think what happens to a lot of people, especially in this world that we live in today, I mean, the speed of change has just accelerated in so many ways and certainly in, in the tactics world. And, and I think that, you know, part of what makes somebody a thought leader in my mind is that, uh, that they stick with something um, that they believe in, that they're passionate about, and not just chase the, the new opportunity of the week. That's what you, you see so many people doing, wanting to be first movers and seen as thought leaders for that. But I think true, you know, over time thought leaders, you know, there, there's almost a maturity, you know, to the idea. That I think it can look different ways for different people. Um, one thing that I found, especially, you know, having changed industries through my career is um, not to compare yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. That definitely can help you differentiate because then you're not thinking about, okay, what is what are other people doing? You're really just focused um, on what you are focused on. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, this is a thing that I could share with people and that's unique and different about what I'm doing rather than, you know, looking at everyone else around you because then you're outward thinking, you're not really focused on your specialty and what makes you unique. So we had a team meeting and we said, well, there's no way that we can be the leading informational expert when we're being overrun by these other companies. We said, well, where can we be the leading expert? We said, we can do this for um, marketers in larger enterprises. 
we feel that we can focus on real complex content marketing situations for marketers in very large companies. And we said, we had to be honest, could we be the leader? And that's where you have to ask yourself, like, can you really be the leading informational expert? So you have to niche yourself down until you can. So the answer is, you do the work up front and figure it out best you can. Okay, what's that sweet spot? What's the content tilt with all the information you have? Then hopefully you set up all these listening posts on social media, customer surveys, talk to your audience and figure out, oh, okay, something's changed. And you meet with your team. That's why when you have a content marketing mission statement, you read it before every content meeting. Because you want to say, is this still true? Are we still focusing on this audience and this is our niche and this is the audience outcome? Because then one day somebody on your team will say, Something's changed. I heard this. I talked to the salesperson. And then you have to make the change. So you iterate over time. You need to be agile. You need to change. So you work with the information you have. So make the decision. What's that content mission statement you're going to go after? And then set up all those wonderful listening posts so you know what's going on with your customers. And then you can change on a dime if you have to. Awesome. Okay, okay. So thought leadership is not just something you wake up one day and have or something that you, you get recognized for by the Thought Leadership Association of Planet Earth, though that would be pretty cool. You don't get to decide it. Other people do. Does that mean that thought leadership is a conversation? Well, I think good thought leadership, really high quality thought leadership, always looks at the response to people. I think, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it, it was very one way and here's what to think. But I think now it is more responsive to the audience and the, the group that you want to be the thought leaders for, mm. or, or you have earned that reputation as a thought leader. I, I don't think any kind of communication anymore in, in any industry or business can only be one way. Mm. Yes, for sure. That, I mean, that was <laughs> Those were the old easy days, you yeah. know, but there, you know, we, we have too many ways to have conversations and, and too many ways for, for people to see how we do business and if we actually are stepping up and, and you know, putting the pedal to the metal for what we say we believe. Well, I think very much so. Um, I, I think that's probably the genesis of it. You know, I think thought leadership starts probably with one person talking to another person. You know, I, it might even be uh, somebody trying to sell something, you know, uh, which is essentially what I was doing, frankly, when I was talking to groups. You know, I'm trying to sell them on what it is that I'm doing. Um, and, and you start realizing that, you know, the deeper you go into one conversation and, and you start hearing it over again, you start repeating it over and over again, you start seeing it resonate over and over again, I think then it starts to become something that you can take one to many. Um, and that, I think that's probably how it starts. I don't think anybody, you know, walk, wakes up and, and walks out on a stage somewhere where there are thousands of, of people standing and saying, you know, this is an idea that I have. And, you know, it's like, oh, you're a thought leader. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like everything. It's you plant a seed and, and that seed grows and you stick with it. I think, I think what happens to a lot of people, especially in this world that we live in today, I mean, the speed of change is just accelerated in so many ways and certainly in, in the tactics world. And, and I think that, you know, part of what makes somebody a thought leader in my mind is that, uh, that they stick with something um, that they believe in, that they're passionate about, and not just chase the, the new opportunity of the week. That's what you've, you see so many people doing, wanting to be first movers and seen as thought leaders for that. But I think true, you know, overtime thought leaders, you know, there's almost a maturity, you know, to the idea. That well, sure, it's earned. Absolutely. I mean, you can be intentional and, you know, as marketers, we do sort of reverse engineer what we can to understand what works and what doesn't and then try to architect, um, you know, plans 
to achieve a particular outcome, right? And so we can do that with thought leadership. We can identify, well, what kind of thought leadership content is working for our competitors or in the industry or whatever? And we can use those sorts of signals to help develop the greatest likelihood of content that will uh, get the results we're looking for. But at the same time, it is earned. Yeah. You're putting information of value out to a community, to your audience, and it's how they respond that determines whether you're seen as a thought leader, whether you realize the benefits of being a thought leader. We're getting somewhere here. Thought leadership is expertise achieved through consistency with a unique point of view or some distinctive aspect. Now, it's not something that you can claim, but rather something that is bestowed upon you by your audience, which you've built through your consistent quality content or thoughts or work. Now, I know you might be thinking that if you're a small business, you don't have the means or the team or the authority or the clout to be considered a thought leader, but the experts say otherwise. Yeah, I mean, look at AJ the Inspector, right? I mean, it's, it's one person. Uh, it's a company of one um, in Nashville. And, and look, um, insofar as people associate me with thought leadership, um, and I hope they do, but again, I don't claim that for myself, um, you know, it was just me for a long time. All those blog posts that I wrote before people said I was a thought leader was me in my house. So yes, absolutely, small businesses can do it. Um, and, and I think partially they don't try because they think they can't, and that's a shame. And I would say it's easier now, um, even than it was when I started, you know, 15 years ago, because now there are so many more ways that you can express expertise, right. like a TikTok channel or whatever the circumstances are. When I was starting out, um, it was really even YouTube was pretty nascent then. So it was kind of like write blog posts. There weren't a lot of like other options. Podcasting didn't exist, um, or at least didn't really exist. Um, YouTube wasn't the thing it is now. Um, there wasn't an Instagram. There, there wasn't a lot of the things that we would use to express thought leadership today. Um, so now if you're starting from scratch, it's like, oh, well, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it if you want to. You know, credibility comes in different ways. It's not always about the number of followers that you have or um, even the size of your company, the revenue that you have. Kind of Back to my point earlier about knowing what you what makes you different and what you specialize in is really how, you know, if you can really dig into that, anyone can be a thought leader. It's just a matter of, you know, knowing how to talk about the thing that you're leading. Right. And I think anyone, and that's part of it too, I think that some people who maybe are new to the industry or, you know, maybe a startup, they get afraid to be thought leaders because they feel that they don't have that clout. Mm. And... I think having that courage and confidence can actually, like that's part of, that's half the battle, is just having the confidence to speak out about something that you feel strongly about. Yeah. And so, no, I don't think that cloud actually matters in that. I think anybody can be a thought leader. You know, I think, I, I think my grandmother, you know, and my family was a thought leader, you know, for the family, right? right. It's, it's, it's in the space that you're playing in. So if a, if a small brand is, is uh, significant in the lives or their message or their product or their service is significant in the lives of, you know, 10, 100, you know, thousand people. I mean, I think there's certainly uh, can be seen as as a thought leader, and you know, brands in 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 small communities. You know, quite often maybe they have six or seven uh, competitors, so to speak. But there seems to always be one or two that that really seem to be the leading edge, not just business wise, but just 
in their practices and, and you know, how they approach their industry. And so I think there are many, many ways that you can apply this idea. The size limit or anything, are there different levels of, of thought leadership maybe? I think that this is a great time for small brands and quite frankly, solopreneurs and individuals to become thought leaders. And one of the reasons that that's happened is not only because social media gives us this window into a much wider world, right? But also because social media channels are moving in a much more narrative direction. Mm -hmm. So if you look like at a platform like TikTok or Instagram Reels, what they're actually trying to do is take short form video and make it have a beginning, middle, and end, have more of a point, have more of a narrative. And so for a lot of smaller individuals, there is an opportunity to explore these topics in a deeper way. One of my colleagues at Convince and Convert uh, now has more than uh, 11,000 followers on TikTok talking about career development because she is breaking down a lot of the questions that people have in an easy to digest way and giving them that advice of, okay, so if you're facing this issue with um, speaking to your boss about a raise, here's three things that you can do and why. And she's producing these videos pretty much on the fly on her regular walks and then building an audience because the audience finds it really useful to get this information in that way. So absolutely, small businesses can be really effective in thought leadership if they are changing their mindset around what it is that they can have a unique, thoughtful, approach to rather than saying, I have to cover the big news stories that a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal is covering, right? Because you're not gonna have that audience and that audience doesn't want that information from you. Right. They want something authentic and specific to your experience. So if you're a smaller brand, like say that you are a marketing team of one at a smaller brand and you're thinking about how do I become a thought leader? Or how do I advance your, your knowledge? I mean, I guess in some ways, you know, the goal isn't to become a thought leader, right? The goal is to become smarter and to try to accumulate um, as many connections and as much knowledge as you can for, in a very, you know, authentic way. Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean? It just means like filling your head with the right kinds of content, you know, reading things that you find enjoyable and that you find credible, yeah. number one. Coming to events like this one that we're at together, first one in like, what, 18 months or so, something like that. Um, making connections here, talking to people. I mean, that's all, it sounds like nothing, but it's everything, really. Yeah. It's that organic um, impulse to connect with other people and to ultimately grow your own expertise and advance your own thought leadership, and, and that's where it comes from. Enterprises probably won't want to hear this, but smaller brands, solo creators, have a much easier time of it. Now, frankly, put aside the fact that they don't have the type of resources that large enterprises do, but they don't have the politics of the red tape or the approvals to go through. If, I'm, if you're a podcaster, I can convince you to do something and you can do it tomorrow. Right. If you're a content marketer that you work for a thousand person or 5,000 person organization, you've got two months, three months, six months, maybe a year of approvals ahead of you. So it is much easier for the, the, lone, the, the lonely creator to do something than the enterprise. So that's why if you, know, uh, if you talk to somebody like a Robert Rose, he'll say, we have to be agile. We have to act like we don't have the politics, don't have the red tape. That's look, a lot of horrible things happened with COVID-19. But if you're talking about some of the good things that happened, we got rid of some of the red tape and the politics and the organizations because there was no choice. There's like, oh my goodness, we have to act differently now because things have changed. Right. We can't do business as usual. So that freed up a lot of things. My concern is as we go back to whatever the new normal is, some of that red tape will return.
And as a content marketer, you have to make sure that doesn't happen. So you have to add uh, internal training programs to the stakeholders in your organization, those that handle the budget, so they understand what it takes to build an audience, what that means for, in this case, thought leadership, what it's going to do for um, us selling more products and services and new revenue channels and new product opportunities that we never had before. So education is critical to making this happen. Any business brand or individual can be a thought leader in any industry, niche, intersection, or area of knowledge. But what does this look like in the real world? Who's doing it well? Well, since I'm in the digital marketing space, I feel like I deal with a lot of brands in that space. So I'm going to give you a couple examples there. I think that um, our friends at CoSchedule are doing an excellent job. They have a really in-depth blog where they're sharing a ton of really great resources. Our friends at Rival IQ are also doing a really great job. They're a social media measurement company, mm -hmm. and they are doing some really fantastic benchmark reports because they know that that is where they are really credible, right? Because they're social media measurement. So they can tell you what's happening across all these different channels. Right. They're rolling that up. They're figuring out what matters within specific industries, and then they're giving you the, here's what that means for you. And I think that's a really great example of thought leadership. Um, I also think that um, HubSpot is doing a fantastic job and what they have really understood is again that piece of the puzzle that I was talking about earlier of what can you do about this thing mm -hmm. and they're giving you those tools. So they've got tons of templates, downloadable worksheets, um, downloadable workbooks that you can work through with your team. And I think that that idea of turning their thought leadership into tools is a great example of, again, making it even more valuable and really thinking through that delivery mechanism. I live in the mountains in Colorado, and I'm, you know, some of my favorite brands are outdoor brands, <laughs> of course, for the things we're doing. I, you know, one of my favorites is Patagonia. Um, I just think that, you know, they're one of those uh, product companies that first off has a great story. If you haven't uh, read Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard, who was the founder of Patagonia, great, great book. Um, and, and it's really, even though it's very much a product company, some might even say they've, they've become a fashion uh, company, it's really, it's all about uh, being outdoors. It's all about, you know, recycling and be, being sustainable. I mean, they do things that probably hurt sales in some cases. Like they have a thing where if, if you if you don't want a jacket anymore, you just feel like you want to get this year's color, <laughs> you know, or something. You send it into them, and and you know they'll give you some money, and they have a used you know, clothing store. Uh, if you rip something, they want you to send it in, they'll fix it for free because, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the idea of being outdoors is this idea of protecting the environment and, and uh, you know, being uh, living in a way that's sustainable. And I think that uh, a lot of brands have a tendency, even if that's the story they're telling on their website, their their actual actions, you know, are more about how can we sell you more stuff. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that that's one that I cite, you know, all the time because I just think that they really live kind of the founder story and and I think really connect at a deep level with with their really their most enthusiastic customers. Yeah, I think REI is a great brand when it comes to thought leadership because it's not just about the great outdoors, but it's also about thought leadership in how do we take care of this round ball that we live on and how do we look at making the, um, making the values and beliefs that we have 
true and accountable clear through our supply chain. And I think those are different kind of elements when we look at thought leadership than maybe we have in the past. I think in the past it's been more about, you know, from my brand out and not looking as deeply, nearly as deeply about how we behave as an organization as we've needed to in this last year. Mm. That's really interesting, the REI example, because, you know, thought leadership, it tends to be sort of this like marketing buzzword that's exactly. like around content, right? We have to put out content. But REI, when you think about REI, you don't think about content or marketing. No, so you don't. You, so you don't have to be that kind of a business to be a thought leader. Well, I, I tend to have a bias, of course, towards marketing and MarTech and, and ad tech and things like that. So I'll try to um, go beyond that a little bit. Think about somebody like um, uh, Patagonia around sort of sustainability and supply chain, right? I think they, you know, they're, they don't sell sustainability. They sell clothes and gear, obviously, but they're so associated with being leaders in, in that space um, that that uh, I think they can they can you know rightfully claim thought leadership. Um, somebody like LinkedIn, for example, around around jobs and recruiting and hiring and trends along that line, right? Sure. I mean, they they have done really smart things, which is not fall into the trap of trying to be sort of Facebook plus business, right. right? I mean, to some degree, yes, but but they've always kind of pivoted back pivoted back to jobs and job seekers and careers and those kind of things. And it's smart to, to kind of, you know, niche it down in that regard. Think about um, Moz for SEO, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who know a lot of stuff about SEO, right? a lot. Um, but they've always been towards the top of that stack, primarily because of the work that, that Rand Fishkin did when he was there in terms of, hey, let's have a show, and this show's gonna be Whiteboard Fridays, and we're going to express expertise consistently every week over a period of years, and you look back over your shoulder after those years have, have gone by, and everybody says, you're the one who really knows what they're talking about. Well, obviously, both, both Adobe and Salesforce are. Um, you know, uh, LinkedIn, I think, is uh, really made an incredible amount of progress in being a thought leader about advertising, B2B advertising and marketing, yeah. not just a place where people put up their digital resumes and where uh, recruiters can go source candidates. Um, and also on the sales side, you know, um, this, with their sales navigator tool. And yeah. I should disclaim that, you know, they're a client of ours, but um, they made a conscious decision about six or seven, maybe eight years ago to start to create content around um, what they wanted to be perceived a thought leader about, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and they, I mean, you Google B2B marketing right now and they're number one, right. you know, and that's not what most people would think of when they think of LinkedIn. Thank you to Michael Barber, Joe Pulitzi, Zanti Ho, Jay Bear, Rachel Mann, Anne Handley, Carla Johnson, John Jantz, Melanie Diesel, and Lee Oden for being incredibly generous with their time, for sharing their insights and expertise with us, and, and sitting down next to me and talking about thought leadership as well as many other great things. Uh, now is the time of the episode where I would normally say the, the catchphrase, but instead, I think we're going to let them say it. Go forth and automate. Go forth. Go forth. Go forth and automate. 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 Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.